That's what you think. The worst day of your life so far. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? What's that reference to? That's from the Simpsons movie. Oh, yeah. That's actually a classic, dude. The Simpsons movie was... It's a good one. It's pretty good. and everything? Yeah. As it's far like Stephen as... King. <laughs> yeah, and as far as, like, um, yellow cartoon characters that have had their extremely long TV show turned into a major motion picture... Uh, it's, you know, it's near the top. Top two. Def- <laughs> <laughs> it's bold. That is bold. All right, we are in. Uh, this is Apple Chat. Yes, welcome to Apple Chat. My name's Benjamin. I'm here, as always, with my good friend Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're going to be talking about the movie Seven. Yes, this movie is, falls into the genre of thriller. Is directed by David Fincher, the director of yet another Brad Pitt getting beat up movie, a la Fight Club. Of course. Uh, it's got a star-studded cast, including Morgan Freeman, Sad Pitt, Pepper Potts, and uh, Kevin Me Too Spacey. Yes, and I watched this movie on Netflix. Joey, how did you watch it? Also on Netflix. All right, yes. If you want to check it out, definitely available on Netflix. Joey, go ahead and hit us with that synopsis. <clears throat> A man commissions a knife strap-on. Succinct, as always, Joey. Uh, Let's get right into it. Uh, How did you, what did you like about the movie? What what, what were the pros for you? I really like this movie. Um, I feel like the tone is really consistent. Uh, There's a lot of really impressive detail throughout the whole thing. And and the the twist at the end, like, they say in the movie that uh, you can never forget, like, what John, what, uh, John Doe is going to do, and the twist at the end makes that true. It's totally unforgettable. Um, and the acting like holds this movie up so well. It's incredible all around. Every single person delivers in, in every scene. And the story is simple, um, but really engaging. and really draws you in so that like, the ending just hits you so hard. Yeah, that was what I... Number one thing for me was the creative idea. To, it, this movie felt really focused. For a two-hour movie, it felt like, extremely focused. Just memorable. Um, and, uh, consistent throughout, I agree. Um, and obviously as a, uh, bona fide scaredy cat, I I really get a big kick out of thrills that don't ruin my night. Uh, and I felt like this movie did a great job of being thrilling, shocking, and horrifying without going over the top and, uh, making me wish that I hadn't seen it, uh, which is something for, you know, as a person who's easily frightened. Uh, I think it's it takes skill and finesse, uh, and they definitely come through. Uh, also, just interest, interesting cinematography. Uh, I felt like I was always uh, pleased by what I was looking at uh, and the choice of, even when you're not looking at like a person, uh, like when yeah. Morgan Freeman's getting his things together at the beginning of the movie, it's just kind of uh, you know nice to look at. And yeah, of course, the, uh, the great cast. I was uh, seeing it. This is this might be the youngest Morgan Freeman I've ever seen. Yeah, he's uh, still old. <laughs> he still is old. He's like, <laughs> well, I was thinking about that too because he was in uh, Shawshank Redemption, which came out the year before this movie. This movie came out in 1995, um, and he's like an old man in that too. He's an old man in prison. So he's such a legend. Know. I mean, he that's like two yeah. hits in a row right there, and I'm sure there's other ones uh, surrounding that. Um, but moving forward here, let's go ahead and hit us with, a, with, with what cons you could come up with, Joey. Well, it was hard for me to come up with any, but because I really do like this movie, and I think it's, it is almost perfect. But it, I think 
it is almost too dark and and graphic. It's the kind of movie that like you really have to be in the right mood to 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 watch, and it's the kind of thing where you wouldn't watch it again. Like you're like, I don't want to feel like that anymore. You know, I'm gonna avoid that bad spot. I'm gonna avoid those bad feelings. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, when I was talking about to my my parents about, I was like, oh, what movie are you doing for the podcast? I was like, I'm doing Seven, and my dad's like. Uh yeah, don't have to watch that one again. Like <laughs> it's it's seared into your memory, which I think like I was thinking about that the whole time because they talk about how unforgettable what uh uh John Doe does. And uh, I agree completely. Yeah, I it is again a movie that it had I known what was in it, probably wouldn't have chosen for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh that being said, super memorable. I, I, I really good, but I, I think um yeah if you had to put a con on it maybe a little bit dark uh, honestly and i'm i'm not a it, i i think i was I'm, I'm a little bit reaching for some cons here because i i'm with you that this movie is really good i, I mean at first i le- i couldn't think of any um but i did get the feeling a little bit that brad pitt was doing a little bit of overacting at the beginning when when he just gets there and i'm not really an expert on acting so i don't know if that really holds any weight but for me, it felt like he was being a little bit overdramatic early, but the, his yeah, performance, fair. well, his performance throughout definitely makes up for it, because especially, especially once you start getting into the, uh, the meat, uh, into the flesh of this movie. <laughs> and, um, and I'm actually interested to hear your opinion on this, because at, at times I didn't really feel that Mills and uh, Freeman were all that great of... <laughs> I... <laughs> I referred to one of them as their their character. One of them is just Morgan Freeman. Um, I didn't know if they. I didn't feel like they were the the greatest detectives. In that, um, it, it almost felt like John Doe was just trying to lead them to follow their stuff. His stuff. Yeah. Uh, to to kind of so that he could show the world. Really, someone's got to find it. Um, I mean, do you have anything for that? I I like. At first, I felt like they were really good, especially when Morgan Freeman finds the fingerprints on the wall. I was like, "Dang, how the heck did he know that?" Yeah. Um, but I, at, at a certain point, I, it, for me, it stopped being oppressive detective work and just John Doe's show. Right. Well, I don't know. It's. I mean, we'll get into kind of that a little bit later, but okay. And I uh, think they, I think they are like decent detectives, but I also don't think that this is truly a like a mystery or like a detective story at least not traditionally it's set up as that but it's once it's over you realize it's not that it was never that right right and then uh, my last maybe con for it is who was john doe before all of this and i know that's kind of part of it is that mm-hmm. it's who is this guy and his whole losing his previous identity is kind of what makes him so uh mysterious but i, I honestly it's almost inconceivable for me yeah 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 exactly I, I understand that it's like who is this guy how, how does he how does he accomplish all this um almost effortlessly right yeah everything just falls into his lap easily so yeah i understand that but yeah okay let's uh but let's get into the more overall discussion here about uh sure. about seven okay so for me this is never this movie this kind of movie is like never really leaves your head and um it's not just like the memorable like the memorable lines like what's in the box is such a meme that you see all the time. What's in the box? Yep. I mean I say that every time I see a box basically. <laughs> so um it's it's got this like subconscious gripping tone that just 
permeates your very soul and leaves you feeling like you're like shook it, it like grips you from inside and like shakes you around um and it's it's really dark and it's and all this really gritty you know everything is is like poorly lit and the city just looks so gross and like you wouldn't want to live there and you just you feel so i don't know like out of place basically i mean you said later on that um this movie makes you feel like, think the city is Gotham, and I yeah okay. Agree with that. There's such this is after, especially after watching. I feel like I keep seeing Batman just in my regular <laughs> yeah, life. That's hard but to break away from that. This move, this this ta- this city is famous for being so crime ridden, just like Gotham. Yeah, it's dark and disgusting and musty, just like Gotham. And there's like a crazed lunatic who's getting away with all these amazing crimes, just like when the Joker is in Gotham. So. Yeah. Uh, I definitely felt. I was a lot thinking of- about that too. I was thinking about how in uh, Batman nineteen eighty nine, Jack Nicholson calls himself the first homicidal artist, right? Yes. And uh, John Doe is definitely a homicidal artist. Yeah, really. I mean, honestly, I felt like this was a Batman movie without Batman. Yeah, uh, which I is mean- like even more depressing in a way. <laughs> and yeah, no, definitely. It was, there was no There's way. There's no hope. That, yeah, exactly. There was no hope. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think that it's, this movie is really interesting, and we'll get into this a little bit later, because a lot of the violent imagery is never even shown. A lot of the terrible, heinous crimes that you, you see on screen are complete, played completely straight. They're all so like terrible to even think about, and yet you're never even shown them. But, but it's, it, I mean, it's a testament to this movie's direction and its editing and everything that none of that stuff leaves your mind. And it's still so horrifying and, and terrifying to think about without ever having to show you anything that's horrifying or terrifying. Yeah, it's that that's actually one of my favorite kind of like thrillers. And I think that's what kind of what sets thrillers apart from just straight up horror movies is mm. what they don't show you. And I, I think they they do a good job of uh, still making that really scary, especially because you are following these detectives through this right and right. the detectives aren't always there f- I mean, they're rarely there for the murder unless they're the ones getting murdered uh like <laughs> you you see it the way they do is they they discover the scene of the crime uh and right. that can be just as horrifying yeah and i mean it is it is horrifying it's it's hor- it's horrifying because it feels real and i think that's what really kind of makes this movie uh like elevates this movie beyond just something good is or like a good concept is the acting um everything that sad pit and morgan freeman do to you know build up these what could have easily been cliche characters um and eventually endure you to them you know you i mean brad pitt's character is like he's a flawed man you can see it from the, almost the beginning you know he's kind of arrogant he's naive and he you're, you're on his side because you know he's he's kind of quirky and weird um but you can also tell he's trying and he really endears himself to you but what happens at the end when his, you know, spoilers ahead, basically, for the rest of this review, um, when his wife is killed, um, it's that emotional response that he feels that really brings you into the movie. And no matter how, like, no matter how flawed of a character he was, he was still able to endear himself to you enough that you care so much when his life is totally ruined. Oh, yeah, that's a huge part of it. It's, it's kind of the... For me, it, it's the two ingredients that you needed for this film to really work, to, to, to come across as masterfully as it did. 
because having this the the seven deadly sins is a really enticing uh, subject, especially yeah. once you have seen one early in the film when you get when you see this guy he's so fat and you you learn more <laughs> about how he died and it's it, it's I mean for lack of a better word it's creative yeah. the way that he gets he's he's he eats to death and and that's so bizarre and horrifying it sounds it sounds like just cruel and unusual torture it really it so, is and it draws you in but if you just saw it, it, i just used the word i'm about to use if it was just seven gruesome deaths in a row it's saw it's the movie yeah. saw but instead right. but instead you balance that against these this amazing acting where Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow, they bring you into this world. They are real people that are existing here. And they, and they are interesting enough and endearing enough that it gives you a break. You yeah. don't have to just be experiencing the, these gruesome and creative uh, and meaningful uh, <laughs> deaths. You get, you, you get to watch these characters develop in front of you. And because that is, that, that's interesting enough, uh, it gets you to the next one. Because I think I really got hooked in once, once I found out, oh, these are about, this is about the seven deadly sin. Yeah. And I want to, once you know that, you want to see all seven. Right. You want to see how it all plays out and how it all works. And yeah, right. I think you touched on something like, that's really interesting. And that's that these, you know, these character building moments are so calm and like, you know, they're so outside of the gruesomeness of the rest of the movie that when that's all taken away from you and you realize you're never going to get another one of those again, that like is just the extra twist of the knife. Right. Exactly. There's so much more weight to the, the end where, where, where Brad Pitt's life is ruined because you've spent the whole movie, half of the movie, the parts where you weren't just, you know kind of your jaw wasn't hanging open (laughs) right exactly the parts where your jaw wasn't hanging open in disgust and horror and and, and amazement you were spending time getting to know these characters so it makes that last scene uh, the combination because now it's now they've brought it home they've combined the creative and gruesome terror with the characters that you've seen uh grow through this movie and you've and you've grown to know them and i i just think it it works so well and and that's what sets it apart yeah i i completely agree but okay there's one other aspect that i think we really should should touch on and that's the inclusion of seven casey in, in this movie did you even know he was in this movie i did not in fact this was my first time seeing seven i think if that isn't clear by now that <laughs> this is the first time i've seen it and I I thought it was a great choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, I, I I mean, I, I saw this movie long before uh, the whole Me Too movement and his his fall from grace and everything. And I I always really liked his performance in this. And what's really interesting, I think, um, is that he was not included in any of the marketing, uh, even though he's you know a huge he was a huge actor even at this point. Uh, there was no um. None of the like the commercials, none of the trailers or anything showed him. Didn't say say his name was in it. The first time you see like him, that like him in the movie is the when he reveals himself in the um at the end. 
and so it's like it's like this double hit, right? It's like, oh man, the 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 killer has shown up. He has turned himself in. This guy that has been fascinating you for the entire movie, who's, who's showing you all of this, you know, disgusting and just terrifying, but also like deeply moving deaths. It suddenly just shows up, and who is he? But one of you know cinema's greatest villains in real life, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, Ke- <laughs> Kevin uh, yeah. Me Too Spacey. To te- yeah, especially because of when it happens in the in the film. Yeah, because you're you're back in one of these scenes where you're it's the buddy cops, right? They're talking about their their relationship is getting better between Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, and uh, he and Morgan Freeman is saying, "I want to stay on," and then out of nowhere, here he is. Kevin, yeah. literally Hitler, Spacey, is like comes out of the blue, and he's giving himself up to them, which in itself is a twist. Yes, just it, it works really well. I, and obviously, the, like I, there's this whole controversy over whether or not you can still appreciate the works of these men who have fallen from grace as a result of the Me Too movement, right? Or their actions, really. Sure, right, their actions, and they, this movie almost makes it, almost feels appropriate to still watch, because he is such a (laughs) heinous uh, human being. right, and it's like, yeah, it just seems appropriate, almost, Um, and I don't know, I was thinking about this too, and all I can think of is, like, Michael Jackson, and how, like, it wasn't until Michael Jackson died that you ever saw heard Michael Jackson music on the radio again. But now, like every single day, I, I hear Michael Jackson music just because he was such a controversial character when he was alive, um, and you know, he, all that. So I don't know. I think given time, given like, the point to the point where like he can no longer do anything bad because he's dead, I think people will come back to movies like this and appreciate it for what it is. Um, so, but, so in your eyes, Kevin Spacey is is as good as dead. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Oh, excuse me, know, Kevin, literally Hitler, Spacey uh, is is dead. I don't want to uh, leave out that qualifier. I think it appropriate. Let me answer your question, though. Okay. Um, I think his acting career is dead, for sure. I don't know if he literally is dead. I don't think I don't see him ever coming back. If that makes any sense. And like, I, I like it, it feels bad making any sort of excuse or like giving him any sort of accolade, but he really is an incredible actor. And it's such a shame that he's such a, you know, he's also a despicable person because I feel like we've lost something great here. And um, I don't know, makes me sad. Yeah, no, all around, it's a terrible uh, situation. Uh, I mean, OJ. F- O.J. Simpson is uh, was an incredible football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still, you know, doesn't change what he did there, but it's still still a bad situation. So you know, this podcast about seven, not about <laughs> let's, uh, yeah. Let's go. Let's get darker. In here. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get yeah, let's keep it moving here. Uh, this movie had some great quotes, and yes. uh, we're gonna play those for you right here. So let's go ahead and get started with one that you picked out, Joey. You know, this isn't going to have a happy ending. That almost felt meta for me. It is. And I think there's a couple of different parts with, with this. Um, there's another quote that you have listed in here that I think also lends itself to it. Um, and I don't know, like, 
I don't. This was only David Fincher's second movie. The only other movie he directed before this was Aliens Three, or Alien Three, or whatever, which was not very well, was not uh, critically acclaimed at all. This movie, however, did extremely well at the box office, and was critically acclaimed. Um, it was good Rotten Tomato story and all that. Um, and so I think retroactively, this is true. I don't know if what if he's saying this in reference to the script because it does seem kind of self-serving but i think it is true for sure that it isn't going to have it a happy ending this is a, a um a foreshadowing toward what's about to happen it, there's a lot of these little moments where like morgan freeman is trying to warn you what's going to happen and um it doesn't uh no one takes his you know no one takes his word for it for sure well he for me, this line was just a promise that I was going to get the rest of the deadly sins. Uh, I, I was low-key happy to hear it. But you, you alluded to it, so I'll go ahead and get mine in there. Uh, this was my favorite uh, quote from the movie. I'm setting the example. And what I've done is going to be puzzled over and studied and followed Forever. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was really cool because you know this is you're getting to know John Doe finally. Yeah, the the, the mysterious mastermind behind all these gruesome murders, and to to know that it at this point, if you if it wasn't clear, uh, he's really cementing the fact that this has been well orchestrated, and he does have a point. Yeah, and it's not over. That's the thing. And also, and he, you, well, you're, you don't know what's happening next, and he's just hyping it up so much, and you're like, there's no way he can deliver on this. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And he's, he's like, you like, he's saying to, to Mills, like, oh, trust me, you won't forget this, or whatever, you know, like, oh, oh trust me, you're going you're, you're gonna to be paying attention very closely. Um, and you're just like, what does this all mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. But, no, like, it's true. And it's just so shocking, and it's hard to deny uh, that, that he's right. So Yeah, I think he is right. I think that's the, the reason why I like this quote so much. Is he, I think that if this was a real, there was a real John Doe, and he really did carry out these seven deadly sin murders, mm. that people would talk about it for a long time. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I got another quote here. Ready? Yep. California, stay away from here. Stay away from here now. Don't, don't, don't come in here. Whatever you hear, stay away. John Doe has the upper hand. It's so uh, I love this this that that really short sequence when Morgan Freeman opens the box and he sees Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box. You don't you don't ever see the head, by the way, which I'll talk about again a little bit later. But uh, he just stands up and he's like he understands exactly what's about to happen, and he just calls out and he starts calling out to to his partner to David. And says, "Drop the gun! Drop the gun!" John Doe has the upper hand, even though John Doe is kneeling in the desert with his hands cuffed, right? Somehow, in this very compromising position, he has still outsmarted everyone. And that next shot, right after he says this, is like a low-angle shot of uh, Spevin Casey, you know, with uh, his, his, like, his head is outlined by the sun. He almost looks like he has a halo, or like he's angelic or something, and he, the way the camera is is uh pointing he looks you know larger than you you're looking up at him so it, it kind of mirrors that uh that quote in that moment too it's pretty cool cool 
to be the gun, baby. David, if you kill him, he will win. I mean, does, does that even make sense? But in the context of the movie, it does, right? Like oh, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and that was the thing. when, Because I, I thought I had this movie figured out. Yeah. I had heard of the what's in the box, but, but I didn't know exactly. What was in the box? Sure. I, and I had no context but besides just like the gif. I knew, I was like, I'm pretty sure Brad Pitt has a gun at that point, but he's, had a, he's been packing this whole movie. Yep. So how that didn't, uh, what I thought was going to happen was that he, John Doe was going to bring them out there and try, try to make them the last two death. Mm, and, and try I, to make them kill each other? Or, or, I don't know, or trick them and kill them some other way, right? He's laid some trap wherever he's taking them. Uh, and this was so much better. There's, <laughs> I, there's, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I definitely couldn't see this coming. Uh, yeah. I didn't predict that he would be the bringer of his own demise. At the very least, uh, it was his plot that brought about his own demise. Yeah. And I, it's just, that's the type of ending that I want, you know? One I didn't see coming. And John yeah. Doe delivered. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so I got this, this longer one, too. Why don't you tell me what the hell it is you think we're doing, man? Picking up the pieces. We're collecting all the evidence, taking all the pictures and samples, writing everything down, noting the time things happen. That's all? That's all. Putting everything in the neat little piles and filing it away on the off chance it will ever be needed in the courtroom. Picking up diamonds on a deserted island, saving them in case we get rescued. I have never felt so hopeless after a Morgan Freeman speech or, <laughs> or quote or phrase. I, especially the picking up diamonds on a deserted island, saving them in case we get rescued. Like, dude, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it and like that, that definitely mirrors like his whole attitude throughout this movie. Um, and I think it's, I don't know, I think it's appropriate. And to, to see the whole world collapse around him um, at the very end, uh, just kind of proves his point that you know his attitude was correct. It was the right one to have. Well, this movie did a lot to influence uh, my attitude and potentially taught me a few things that I'll hold on to long after I see this movie. Uh, I think it's time for what this movie taught me. The FBI knows what I'm reading. Good thing I don't read. If you're going to be a detective, don't get married. When you are apartment hunting, ask how close the subway is. Shave off your fingerprints, and you can get away with any crime. For a small fee, you can get packages delivered to the middle of nowhere. It's easy to get carried away when journaling. The serial killers use composition notebooks. That, um, those last two, they're actually... Made yeah, me feel uncomfortable because I actually use composition notebooks to take notes on all these podcasts. It, uh, <laughs> just like his. Yeah, well, I'm a spiral bound man myself, Joey, and <laughs> I, I I'm gonna Dodge be looking. There. <laughs> well, I think I'm gonna be looking a little closer at you from now on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
I just can't, I have like I literally have like a pile of little notebooks sitting around me. I feel a little crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask my guy down at the bureau to check out. See, see, see what books up in the library. Yeah, see what books you've been reading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think it's time to go a little deeper. Okay. Um, first thing I want to talk about is John Doe's overall plan. Just kind of lay it out as it happens, um, because I don't think it's it's not you're following it from like kind of the background, I guess. So you don't actually um see everything as it plays out, but you kind of it's kind of implied how everything works. Which is part of this movie's charm, I think. First of all, gluttony. For, he kills him by forcing him to eat stuff. And he leaves the calling card at the scene. He leaves the word gluttony behind the fridge. But he knows it won't be discovered until after the coroner does the autopsy. So, Right, because he fed him the grooves or like the parts of the floor that came up when he pushed the fridge, right? Right. So that they would know, when they found those unusual things in his stomach, they knew where to, to go back there and look more closely and find this extra clue that he left for them. Okay, wait. Only, well, after, well, only after they discovered the greed killing. Yes. And, well, the, um, what I want to, just while we're, because we're going over this. Yeah. I just want to talk about how this worked. So he sat him down, bound his, his leg, his feet and his arms. And then fed him spaghetti until he just about exploded. Was this was it spaghetti or was it a bunch of things? I did notice a bunch of cans of sauce. Right, uh, which I it, also have seen as like a, uh, like a reference to, uh, like somebody said, like um, that's very unusual. Like you would never see that many cans of sauce. Not even a fat guy would have that many cans of sauce. <laughs> yeah <I don't> <laughs> no and i um i guess what i'm trying to get at is they, they kind of explain it in the coroner's office how right. exactly this guy died but he like he basically ate I, I guess my question is how did he force him to eat i don't know i i mean he put a gun to his head and said eat like yeah i, I, guess, I guess no i mean that that seemed to be a pretty good motivational force in this movie but, <laughs> yeah it seemed to work pretty well but that yeah yeah so okay and then he like waited he ate until he passed out and then he shot him in the back of the head did he shoot him in the back of the head? I thought he just, like, there was no, there oh, was no, no he bullet him. wound or anything. He I'm had sure. the, um, right. He, he, there was, like, bruises on his head from where the gun was pressed. Um, and the, I think he, like, suffocated or something. I can't remember exactly what, how he died. But it was, um, it was due to, like, his enlarged organs from stuffing them full of spaghetti. Yeah, definitely. Ugh. That was gross. Yeah. Okay. So the the next killing is greed, um, and he forces the guy to kill himself by cutting out a pound of flesh from his body, uh, which is a reference to um, Merchant of Venice, which is a Shakespeare play. Hmm. Uh, one of the the moneylenders demands a pound of flesh as payment. So it's I'm not sure what the I've never seen that play or read it, so I don't know what the exact reference is, but. Now, this is, is definitely a saw trap. Yeah, it kind of is. Isn't well, the... Yeah. Well, isn't the answer to cut off your arm, I think? No, because he says something about you, no cartilage, no bone. Oh. It has to be just flesh. Oh, that he was just forked from the beginning. <laughs> well, right, and, and, and then that felt... What was interesting, I think, about this scene... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to just say, like, the, kind of what set this apart from Saw was that most of these didn't feel like 
a choice or like you have a chance, you've already been condemned from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, there was there's no game involved. It was just death. Right. Um. Yeah. Okay. So I think what's really interesting about this scene is that he he has a a bunch of different kind of obscure clues. Right. He has the the wife's eyes circled in blood as in indicating that she has to see something and then when she sees like photos of the crime scene uh, she notices that that this abstract painting is upside down and so they go over there and try to figure out what it is and behind that covered up with like with dust or or something they they uncover fingerprints of that say help right they spell it help and the fingerprints are of a guy of the next killing right the, the, well the now sloth guy let me let me just stop you right there and okay. say how did morgan freeman note it the dust for fingerprints on the wall what else is he gonna do <laughs> that's not a you can't answer my question with a question i don't know like that for me <laughs> that for me well, felt, i don't know like uh, maybe he thought he i don't know i i, I don't have an answer for that sure. it just seems like you know eventually that would they would get to that i guess yeah i think I know. this is Maybe it's a normal though, cop thing. Yeah, it leads, it leads directly to the next guy, right? Yes. And um. Well, once you know what him. happened, it's pretty cool, you know, that the yeah. fact that he cut somebody's fingers off so that he could bring them. Cut off his whole hand. Did you just, didn't you see it? Oh in the, yeah. His trophy. Oh, thing? dude. And, like his apartment yeah. was so freaky, dude. Oh man, that was so that was such a, a scary thing, especially when he comes back to life. Yes. <laughs> He's like not even dead, and he's like he's been chained to a bed and fed drugs for an entire year, and he has pictures periodically to show his descent into like this skeleton man. They don't even think he's alive uh, when they first get there, and he like wakes up. Oh man, it was yeah, so yeah, that was oh, that will haunt you, and that's not even the worst one. I don't think well, <laughs> it's really it's no, really what scary. I, what I loved about that one was all the macho SWAT guys who thought that they oh, were going gosh. to catch the killer here. Yes, that's right. And instead, they found this, you know, this thing that was barely human. Yes, barely human, but still alive, which was its own. I mean, like the year in bed is terrible. I, I think the doctor said it best when he was like, he's been through the most pain of anyone I've ever witnessed, and he still has hell to look forward to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> I'll get you. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, I guess when you, you see his body, right, you're like, oh, he's dead, you know? He's been decaying in this bed for a while, but no, he's still alive, decaying while he's still alive. Well, yeah, and it's it, how alive is he really, though? Because the doctor said well, he's enough to move around. He like has a spasm. Oh, sure, but um, you know, you can like, if you've seen the Pickle Rick episode, you can you can poke a dead thing's brain and it'll move. Like, uh, the, the, the co- once the doctor said that his brain was mush. He's basically a vegetable. Yeah. Um. You know, he's basically dead. I don't think right, it matters, though. Getting there is terrible, yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, like anyone else in that sort of situation would be looked after in a hospital. So, uh, it's just, it's a terrifying thing. Yeah, creative. Yes. The next one is um, Lust, where he forces a man to have sex with a prostitute. And the guy has a, a knife strap-on thing. Uh, so that he'll cut her up from the inside, which is like they they don't show you hardly anything in this one. I think you see maybe her body barely a little bit barely, yeah. and then you just see it's just an interview with the guy who killed her, um, and he is just so shooken up. I mean, like you can tell he'll never be the same. 
um and he is so scared and everything and um like the, they have, they show the two interrogation rooms or everything and they show the cops like totally like you know there's the have their hand their heads in their hands and everything i feel like this easily could have twisted into something ridiculous or silly just because of the nature of the thing right um but they the way that it's it's held up by the actors really kind of elevates this to something that's just too terrifying to think about and it's um yeah i i don't know it's it really is such like a cruel and um strange thing to to do to someone and um i don't know I mean, it leaves two people broken, you know, one person dead and the other person with, you know, a terrifying, traumatic and unique experience. No, I, for me, this is this was the most horrifying one. And, yeah. and it's it's one that you witness pretty much the least about. And, and especially because it could be so ridiculous and funny, right? Like mm. having a sword penis is like, you, you know, that could easily anytime you replace a penis with something. There's definitely there's room definitely, for comedy. Yeah. yeah, there's room for comedy there. That's another Rick and Morty reference. Uh, <laughs> but but it's anything but funny. The, especially yeah. the acting of the actual victim. I felt awful. That, like that was the, that was at almost the point. Like I said at the beginning, where they kind of toe the line between whether or not you know like seeing something so horrifying that you wish you had never seen it. Like that got yeah. kind of close for me. Just, I, right, but you didn't see anything. You didn't. That's the thing that's crazy. It's just his reaction. It, it, <laughs> and, and yeah, I think that, that's, that was the, like, as far as horrifying and, and just uh, where I start thinking, immediately start thinking, oh God, am I going to be able to sleep tonight? Uh, it, it, was, it was when that guy was just begging for help. Oh my gosh. And there, yeah. what, what can you do to help someone like that? I know. I mean, like, there's no one who's ever had an experience like that. So... Yeah, it's a it's truly a uh, terrifying situation, and and it um it's really really well done for this movie. Okay, so the next thing that happens to John John Doe is that uh, he's interrupted by the cops. They this is the first time they go outside of like their normal means to try and catch him, which is when they they uh, investigate using the FBI's database. So you can tell like he's surprised that they found he that he's been found right. So they, um, then he goes after and, uh, and he runs away and he, he beats up, uh, Brad Pitt and almost kills him, which, but uh, he doesn't and oh, that was savage too. <laughs> yeah. When he comes back to that later on, he says, you're only alive because I didn't kill you. Remember that detective. Every time you look in the mirror at that face of yours for the rest of your life, or should I say the rest of the life I've allowed you to live. Dude. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Like pure, pure evil. What a power move. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But um, so at this point, he says he has to speed up his process. So he kills Pride. And this is one that um, really sticks with me personally. He cuts off her nose and then he gives her the choice to either call for help or to commit suicide using sleeping pills. It's like she's like a model, I think, or something. So, yeah. yeah. Um, like her, her beauty or her face is her livelihood and for her to lose her nose and become something you know so disfigured is is truly you know unthinkable really and it's just um i don't know put in that situation it's hard to it's hard to say what you you know especially if it's so fresh yes well for me this is 
the only true saw trap in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because she can she could very easily make it out of this alive if her intention was to survive. Right. Exactly. Also, wasn't was that painting behind her supposed to be of her? I think it was. I think it was too, which uh having a a painting of yourself in your own house is so vain. Especially that big. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So, uh, th- well, and that too, I mean, and this is kind of done well throughout, is kind of the theater of the, or, or the presentation uh, of, these, yeah. of these victims when they're found. This one especially, because it's almost uh, a, you know, it's just displayed there. She's, you know, on the bed, spread out, and the painting behind her. And uh, honestly, I thought about this a lot. As, honestly, like my whole commute this morning, I was kind of thinking about, <laughs> What would I do in that situation? And uh, I don't know. It depends how much it would hurt. <laughs> to die? No, to, to have my nose cut off. Like, if it was just <laughs> unbelievable pain, I might just go for instant relief. I don't know. Like, I mean, you could, you could get, like, a fake nose and everything, but it would never be the same. You know, it would yeah, but I'm also, right. I'm, not all re- I'm not a model, you know? So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would be really losing all that much. <laughs> I don't know. You wouldn't, you look like a skeleton. like. I've seen pictures of people without noses. It's terrifying. No, yeah, I'm not saying it wouldn't be terrible, but uh, <laughs> it's it, it really I don't know it makes you think. It makes you. Yeah, it does, and that's I mean that's the power of this movie. Okay, so then at this point, uh, John Doe kills Mill's wife, and then he turns himself in, and then he well, lures. Well, okay, 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 so that's uh, so so far we've done uh, just to recap, we've done gluttony. Yeah. We've done greed, we've done sloth, lust, pride, okay? So that yes. is five, right? Right. And now this is envy. Yes, envy and wrath. Which I thought was and creative. Decision. Yes, he's, he's left those two for the end. Did you, feel, um, did you feel like John Doe really was envious? Um, I don't know. I think kind of. You never actually saw it, right? You never saw him interact with Tracy. Yeah. With Boucher's character. So, but at the same time, you can kind of understand where he's coming from, I guess. Just because, like, they seem like they're, you know, they're a young, happy couple. And, um, you know, they're, they're going through life together and, you know, just trying to start a family and trying to make their way through this, you know, terrible city. Right, right. But, but Morgan Freeman points it out that it takes away a little bit from John Doe's martyrdom that there's no real, it doesn't seem like this is a sacrifice for him. Mm. he's really uh he's living it up his master plan is working and he's enjoying it and i don't and and i and i i understand the symbolism of envy uh to say you know i wish that i had love maybe yeah but i i don't feel like that's i think that uh isn't really his one of his motivations so while i appreciate Mm. once again the presentation i feel like you could uh uh, you could say this is just murder really i mean it is at the end of the day you know no matter how he dresses it up none of the stuff he does is excusable in in any sort of way but um i don't know i think there's like a there's a more powerful message behind this maybe even if he isn't envious just to say that we're all sinners or something um even i who does god's work right Huh, it, like it yeah. ties it up in such a, a nice bow. Oh, it does. Oh, which which so is good. like which is the whole thing. Like if he had survived, it wouldn't has have been as powerful. Sure, and and yeah. the fact that yeah, he's he's one of them. Yeah, that he includes himself, which is so cool. 
He does. And and that's the thing is so he, he turns himself in and then when he goes he lures uh Somerset into Mills into the desert to be alone. And uh, that one scene uh, that one thing that um that Somerset does, says that Morgan Freeman's character says to him, you can see it like he, it actually kind of hits home for him and then he kind of gives some quick quick dismissal and then immediately turns his attention back to Mills to because he knows he has to rile Mills up. He has to get Mills to to, he has to prod him and, and get him to like start screaming. It's so amazing to watch. He, he's sitting in the car. Mills is all cocky and arrogant. He's like, "We got it. We got him." You know, you thought you were so smart. Here you are. And at the end of that car ride, Mills is freaking screaming at him. You know, he's so upset, and you can tell he's just going to have another emotional reaction, just like he has had throughout the rest of this movie. Very consistent with his character. It's amazing. It's amazing how he just like manipulates him, and it's just this slow build, and you see it happen. You see, like it's not like a, a switch is being turned; it's like a dial being turned, or a switch being flipped. It's like a dial being turned. So it's a uh, it's powerful. And then yeah, he kill he convinces Mills to kill him. He's like, "I killed your wife, you know. I played husband, and it didn't work out. I am envy, and you are wrath. Fulfill my destiny." <laughs> yeah, dude, and, and like. For any any uh, knocks I had on Brad Pitt's acting near the beginning of this movie are removed with his performance in his, he can't decide. He, oh my he, gosh. he knows he shouldn't kill him, but he, everything inside, inside him is saying- you, He has the gun. He has the can, gun right there. You can kill him. Yeah. Right? You, you have a rare, I don't know if it's a rare opportunity, but like plenty of people have been wronged and not been able to take instant revenge on their, on their nemesis. So he, but it's also it's also undeniable, right? There's no way it like everyone's watching. There's there's the helicopters, Somerset's right there, you know. There's no way he's getting out of this. It's but, a it's an emotional reaction. Yeah, and, and also he he clearly loves his wife. He just found out that she was pregnant. Oh, yep. dude, the oh he didn't know. Ah, oh, gosh, gosh, yeah. It's so awful. It hit hard. It is. It does hit hard. And that's, I mean, that's this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it's worth going back and looking at it all in sequence like that because, like, like you said, people will talk about this. Uh, for, like, people will, will uh, look back over this. Uh, what was the exact quote? It was... Studies uh, this forever. Yes, people study this forever. And, I, and I, I think he delivered on that promise. He sure does. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about um is off-screen violence so uh, we talked about we kind of alluded this a few more a few times but i think uh it's really worth kind of hammering this home just just how how good this is i think this is what separates seven from a movie like like we like saw or like requiem for a dream requiem for a dream gives you kind of the same feeling as this movie of just like despair and has this dark tone where you like at the end you're like well there's no hope basically um, but Requiem is, has a lot more like violent imagery. There's a lot more stuff in there that's like, you, as soon as you see it, it's like seared in your brain. Whereas this movie is, is memorable because of uh, like the plot, the acting and like the construction of the film. It's none of the horrific violence, um, that, you know, perpetuates it, which makes it like hard to watch again, just because it is such a depressing movie. But I think it's worth watching and, and worth watching more than once just because it is so psychological. Yes, no, I think 
not showing it to you is almost worse. It's not worse, but it's it's <laughs> almost worse. If you you're letting letting your own imagination kind of t- run with it can be terrifying. Yeah, and I I think this I mean this has been a tradition in um in like stage play and everything forever. Ancient Greek tra- like uh, tragedies never showed violence on stage, and you could argue some of this was because of practical reasons, right? They can't actually kill anybody on stage or you know, maim anybody on stage because they're just actors. Um, but it's a live performance. But the, the, there's a bigger reason for this. They, they did it in a way that lets you um, kind of imagine what was happening, and you still felt the, the weight of that thing without having to be shown it. Um, and, and I think this movie kind of falls in that same tradition. Um, I, there's one specific one I want to talk about, uh, one death, and that's the Mills' wife, Tracy. Um, and that, that's the last death in the movie besides John Doe. And then I guess you could argue that Mills kind of dies in his own way. Um, but you're never even shown a body. You, you don't even, uh, you know, you don't even see the head. Um, and yet this is the death, I think, that like, turns this movie from good to great. This is the thing that sticks out the most readily. It's what's in the box, right? Yes. It's the most famous, um, it's the famous, famous death. And even though you're never even seen, shown the head, uh, people always think that they, they see it. There is like that quick flash where you see Gwyneth Paltrow's face, right? At near, right at the end. But other than that, you, you never see her again after that scene with her and uh, Morgan Freeman. And uh, David Fincher has actually had to argue with fans about whether they are shown the head in the movie. Like it's so visceral, it's it's so it sears yourself into the, your imagination so easily that you almost think you've seen it, and and some people actually believe that they they have, even though it's not even true. And the studio like fought this at every turn, at every like from the script to like the production until like the the final like editing stuff. They were fighting, saying we need to change the ending. You know, maybe Brad Pitt doesn't shoot John Dunn. Maybe you know the wife. Maybe it's not the wife's head. Maybe it's one of the dog's heads. You know, they were trying to 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 make it not as powerful uh but fincher really stayed firm on it and and the result is one of the most iconic movie moments of all time oh for sure i've heard of what's in the box for so long (laughs) i i didn't even know i i had heard you know i had guesses and honestly uh as soon as morgan freeman said it's he said there's blood i i kind of knew but it was i don't know it's it, it is it's so iconic uh, actually, I remember Vine, there's like a Vine trend of people like with a more subtle reaction to Brad Pitt being like, he's like, what's in the box? And they're like, Frosted Flakes, dude, chill out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like holding a cereal box. Yeah. Um, Classic. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it is iconic. And I'm so happy that I've finally seen it uh, because yeah. uh, now I know why. Now I, now, and, and <laughs> now you know it's in the box. Yeah. Finally. It's oh, thank God. Friends. Yeah. That's. What? How enlightening! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think the the violence works, or the lack of violence works, specifically for two reasons. First of all, it allows you to kind of put yourself into the scenario. It lets your imagination do a lot of the work, and you're you kind of give yourself that horrifying reaction, right? You imagine what the hor- horrible thing is. You're not have to be shown to it, um, which could be worse, right? If you're ma- if you have an active imagination, or even if you don't, it's still a um 
it's still like your mind showing you what you're most afraid of in a way. And then, of course, it treats the audience with respect. Um, Fincher doesn't draw you in with gore and torture porn. He disgusts you, horrifies you, and scars you with unforgettable story. And it leaves this lasting mark um, that's not an image that could be distorted by memory, but an idea that takes root and grows of its own accord, just like we were saying with these scenarios that you kind of put yourself in. It's like, what would you do? Um, he makes you feel scared, but not by seeing scary things. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. All, all together, this is my favorite type of horror, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But it's just really being thrilling. It really is. And there's not a lot of movies like this. I've been thinking about it. You know, I, I don't know if there are, they even make movies that are kind of in the same vein anymore that just have this, like, dark, depressing tone throughout that's so consistent and, and so overwhelming that it kind of leaves you with this feeling of dread at the end. I feel um, like at some point they'll try to reboot this movie and they'll make... <laughs> Seven, God, I hope not. Seven, two, and the poster for it will just be. They tried to. They tried to make a second one with no. Somerset. Yeah, they did. Somerset was going to be in that second, like a spinoff movie. No, I like the 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 poster for it, the teaser poster when it first gets announced. Fourteen. <laughs> it's just two boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, that's what's in the box and what's in that box. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> That's all they do is try to capitalize on the boxes. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I right, now, this up. Yeah, we're ready for the last segment of our show here is our ratings. And uh, I'll go ahead and give you mine first. I okay. really enjoyed this movie. If that isn't clear at this point, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really uh, memorable and, uh, I obvi- and it's deserving of its iconic status. Uh, so I would, I'm going to give it... Seven tree-shaped car air fresheners hanging from the ceiling of a dingy apartment. Nice. Very nice. I think I'll give it um, seven uh, uh, sevens. Ooh. Seven sevens. Not 49, just seven sevens. Seven sevens. Sticking with that. Very nice. Um, okay. Well, I think that wraps it up there. So for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Hey. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. You can find us on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. If you want to help us grow the podcast, share it, rate us five stars, and or write us a review. It really helps. Have a comment about something we said? Tweet at us at Affable Chat or write us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. Check the description for links to any of the outside topics we discussed. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.